Welcome to Rich Conversations. Today we are joined all the way from Athens, Greece by Alexandra Claudi. She's a singer songwriter and a music teacher. She's an all-round renaissance girl who loves to continually learn. I've been listening to her album on Spotify and I just loved the vibe. It's kind of like loungy and relaxing. I had no idea what any of the lyrics were, but uh, but I, I dug the sound and we reached out to her and she came on. Uh, it turns out the album is called Shampoo in Greek. So uh, we talked about Greece, creativity, music history. Uh, this is a fantastic episode. I'm excited to share it with you. A couple of weeks later, she sent me a CD of her album in the mail. I got mail from Greece. What a cool, what a cool world that, that we're living in, right? You can follow her on Instagram at Alexandra Claudi. You can also follow this podcast on all social platforms. Subscribe on YouTube, at Rich Convos on TikTok and Instagram, and at Rich Convos Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Message us for any topics you'd like us to explore or guests you think would be thoughtful and insightful. Now, let's travel to Greece. Welcome to Rich Conversations. We have another fantastic episode. Uh, this has been in the works for a while, and I'm so excited to have Alexandra Claudi here, all the way from Athens, Greece. Welcome to the show. Hello, Rich. Thank you for inviting me. Why, why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Well, as you said, I'm Alexandra Claudi. I live in Athens. I was born in Zakynthos, a very beautiful island in Western Greece. You may have seen some pictures of this island because we have a very famous shipwreck. And this photo has, has traveled all around the world. Uh, I'm a singer-songwriter. I, I love music. Everything I do has to do with music. I teach music, I perform music, I write music. I write books about music. Um, I write uh, children books with children's songs. And everything about my life has to do something with music and creativity. Yeah, and uh, I've really enjoyed your music. When, uh, when Alexandra was brought up as a possible guest, I, I went to her Spotify and her album, uh, Supan. How do you, is Sapuan. that how you pronounce it? Sapuan. Uh, and I've been listening to it. A number of her songs are like on my top repeat on Spotify. It's like a great vibe. Uh, I've been more into this like kind of like loungy kind of big bandish kind of vibe lately. And it's it's just like perfect at night. And it's just so relaxing. I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. When you approached me, I thought to myself, how the heck did he find my music in Chicago? <laughs> I'm not that famous. I was really, really surprised in a positive way, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the reasons I, I want to have you on, too, <clears throat> I didn't mention this, but uh, I'm a big Milwaukee Bucks fan. It's a basketball team in Milwaukee and our best player. And he's the best player in the league is Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's from Greece. And uh, let's see, I have his book right here. Um, so I'm I'm curious about learning like all things Greece. And okay. learning more about like his 
background growing up in Greece and just learning more about Greek culture. So when I visit there, I'll, I'll be up to speed and uh, ready to go. Um, so I was looking for someone in Athens and I came across you and I'm like, oh, and then her music is awesome. We got, we got to talk. Okay. I don't know a thing about basketball. I should go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of sports, but I understand why people like it. Right. Uh, so why don't you, okay, you're from originally, Z say it again, Zykynthos. Zykynthos. Yes. Describe what it's like there. Well, the nature is so beautiful. We have mountains, we have sea all around. Uh, it's a small island. The nature is uh, astonishing. Um, I was very lucky to grow up there. I was really, really lucky. Uh, we were playing outdoors all the time. I've never been, you know, inside the house while I was growing up. Um, there was no fear of, uh, you know, something bad happening to us when we were young. Mm -hmm. So we were playing out on the streets all day. Uh, we were climbing on the trees. We didn't have, you know, internet or video games, nothing like that. Uh, I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> I, yes, <laughs> I, I was born in 1981. Okay. So um, the 80s and most of the, I mean, the 90s were very, very different for, for, from what we know right now. Yeah. We grew up very differently from what uh, the children grow up now. So um, it was, I grew up in a poor village. Uh, most people were poor, you know, it was, it was, we didn't know anything else. It was like yeah. that. It was, and it was, you know, it was natural to us to live like that. Uh, we didn't have central heating. Uh, we didn't have washing machine. We didn't have all the comfort, you know, we have now. Yeah. But from the mid-90s and after that, we started, you know, uh, became becoming wealthier. Um, it happened all around Greece. I don't know what happened then exactly. Uh, but um, the country grew. We had, uh, you know, wealth growth. And we started living more comfortable lives. Um, but as a kid, I didn't realize that we were poor because that was the situation we were living in. Yeah. And everybody was in the same situation. But it, there were, it was innocent years and nice years for me, for me. For, so what's, what's it like growing up on an island in the Mediterranean Sea? We always have sun. Uh, the summers are beautiful. Um, you have, you know, you're in nature and that, and that does something to your psychology. I don't know how to explain that. Yeah. I'm full of nature inside me. I, it's like I have, I have swallowed all the sun and all the sea and all the trees and all the mountains and they're with me all the time. I, I've been living in Athens for the past 22 years. This city is full of cement. <laughs> yeah. There are no trees, there are no parks. 
no nature at all. You have to go out of Athens like half an hour, one hour to see trees. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't miss it. I don't miss nature. It's always inside me. And I think it's because mm. I grew up in nature. Yeah. Well, what was it like moving to Athens then? I really wanted to come here because I was full of dreams yeah. that could not happen in the village, in the small town of Zykenthus. You know, I had very, very big dreams. So I studied really hard and I passed the exams and I came to the university here in Athens to study musicology. Mm -hmm. uh, in Greece, uh, studies are free. We have public uh, universities. Okay. And so it was easy for my family to send me here uh, because we had no tuition to pay. But we had other expenses, you know, I had to rent a house and uh, all the other stuff that comes with it. Um, I was really excited to come here. I wanted it so badly. I, I scored like the top, the top of, the, of my class. I was a really good student. I, I liked school very much. We didn't have, you know, other activities to do. So school was the one thing that got me out of um, my little neighborhood, you know. Yeah. I, I loved school. I, I loved reading. I loved books. Uh, I loved learning. You know, well, we're kind of alike in this, you know. Yeah, we are. <laughs> we're very, I feel like we're very similar people. <laughs> uh, and those listening can probably already tell that. Uh, so what was the general vibe when you came to Athens? Like, what, how was that different? Was it what you imagined it to be when you dreamed of coming to Athens? Like, what was that like? Well, I was 17 or 18 years old, and I've always lived, you know, under my father's and my mother's protection, my family's protection. Mm -hmm. and everything was safe in the island. So when I came in Athens alone in a huge city, um, I, was, I was, you know, I was conned by many people. <laughs> <laughs> I gave my money everywhere. <laughs> but I saw people on the street, you know, begging for money. And I was, oh, my God, he doesn't have to eat. So I gave them my money. I gave them everything. Yeah. But years passed by and I, I said, oh, there are a lot of people who are begging on the streets. I can't give to them all. So yeah. uh, that was my first uh, impression of Athens. Um, you know, miserable people on the streets. And I haven't seen that before. My, my heart was broken of that. I couldn't believe I saw so many poor people living on the streets. And um, that was the sad part. <laughs> yeah. But the most part was excitement. I wanted to discover a new city. I went to the university and I learned so many new things. I thought that I knew some stuff, but when mm. I went to the university, I thought, oh my God, you know nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was really exciting because I met people from different backgrounds. I met people whose parents were, you know, had PhDs and had uh, great jobs. And, you know, my parents didn't finish the school. 
Mm. And it was an eye-opening experience. And so I started learning. I started reading much, much more. Uh, and I found my way. Yeah. Yeah, it sure seems like you have. Uh, so, so in Athens, you've been there for quite a while now. What sights, sounds, and smells stand out to you? Uh, well, let's start. Let's start with the smells because okay. in spring, all, all Athens has lemon trees by the road uh, in all streets in Athens in, in okay. the inner city in the downtown as we say here so in the spring when the the lemon trees blossom the smell is oh my god you walk down the street and you're like oh my god it's it's a wonderful experience i love that smell and i i wait for it every year every year um so sounds yes we have a lot of uh, noise, nothings. I'm very lucky because here in my apartment is really quiet, but um, um, in the in downtown, um, there is a lot of noise, a lot of noise, cars, honking. Yeah. We are loud people. We like to honk <laughs> our cars. We like it very much. We do it all the time. I do it too sometimes. <laughs> um, very very noisy but it's you know when I go back to Zakynthos for vacation I I find myself longing for that noise and and for like it's too noise. quiet yes yes <laughs> <laughs> I love Athens I miss Athens when I'm away I miss it I I want to live here I love being in in this noise environment with people going here and there. Um, well, you can smell peace sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you sure can. In, in some parts, in some areas of the town. Um, what else did you ask me? Smells, the sounds, sights. and sights. Well, um, sights. The color is gray. The color is gray because of the gray. cement. Okay. Yes. Um, we have a lot of graffitis. So you, you have gray and colors. Um, it's mostly, how to say it? How to say it without being offensive to my beloved city. It's a dirty <laughs> city. <laughs> yeah. It's not that clean, but we try. We try. Um, but I don't mind, you know, I love Athens. So the sites are um, buildings, which are gray. Um, it's a little bit sad, but it has something industrial, you know, that I like industrial. So, but you can have some little oasis of, of green. We have the Parthenon, you know, in Acropolis. Yeah. We have the ancient monuments and um, so it's a combination of ancient Greece and modern dirty Greece <laughs> <laughs> but um, people in Athens are in love with their city they don't want to leave um, 
it's a vibrant city. It never sleeps like New York. Mm-hmm. It's not New York, but Athens never sleeps too. Okay. Um, and it, it, it's full of life all, all the times. And um, I'm going, I think I'm going to your next question. <laughs> what do we do here in Athens? We yeah. Like to- what would you recommend uh, people doing? Well, or what do you guys like to do too? Well, we drink too much. <laughs> we smoke too much. We eat too much. We like pleasures. Um, we drink too much coffee all the time, all day and all night. Yeah, I'm right drink here with co- you. <laughs> we drink coffee nine o'clock at night. We drink coffee every day, all day. It sounds like I would fit in very well over there. We have many, many cafes. Every corner has a cafe, many, many cafes, many restaurants. We have a lot of cuisines. Uh, we have the Greek cuisine, but not Greek cuisine is not one cuisine. Um, we have, you understand what I say, what I'm saying? Cuisine. It's, yeah, food. Uh, like the, food, like yeah. the, yeah. Yes. okay. It's Okay. It's the same word. Sometimes I confuse myself with the English language, but it's okay. I'm Greek. I don't speak that uh, well English, so please forgive me. You're doing uh, doing well. And like a lot of people I talk to, English isn't their first language. And it's like, man, I got this is what I'm working on right now. It's learning, learning Spanish. I have to get better at Spanish. Okay. So to me, your English sounds great. Oh, thank you. You understand me at least. Very well. Yeah. So we have many different kitchens, you know, food, many different foods from all areas of Greece, uh, from Crete to Macedonia to to Ionian Islands to Peloponnesus. Uh, so we have a mix, a mix of different Greek uh, foods, and we also have all the international and the. The fusions from other countries yeah. and other, you know. Mm, so we like food very much. We eat a lot. We eat a lot. And we what's, smoke. What's your favorite thing to eat? Um, it's a recipe from my birth island. It's called Avrolemono, which has uh, Avrolemono means eggs with lemon. Avro is eggs. And uh, lemon is from lemon, you know, lemony. Huh. Uh, it's a soup with rice and many, many eggs. It's yellow, and it has and it has some uh, meat inside. It might be turkey, or it might be beef, uh, or chicken sometimes. And we eat it on the holidays, on Christmas and mm. on Easter. And I'm going to eat it very, very soon. My father brought me uh, a chicken from the island because we try try to eat meat from my island where it's pure. I don't like animal farming. You know, you don't know where you get your meat. Sure. So I try all the products, uh, eggs, um, honey, meat, uh, and bread and other stuff. They come from Zaginthos in Athens. So Nice. So, Avgolemono is my, yes, it's my best food. 
And what else? So we like to go out and have fun. We like to dance. Uh, we are very loud as people. We speak very loudly. We are annoying. <laughs> we, are annoying. Uh, we laugh hard. We are lighthearted. We like to tell jokes. We like to, you know, um, doing pranks to each other. Yeah. Um, uh, and we like uh, our free time. We like, you know, sitting on a cafe, having conversations with our friends. I remember sitting on a cafe for five or six hours talking with my friends. And we like uh, having vacations in Greek islands. But okay. I have to break a myth. We are not lazy. We are very hardworking people. We work <laughs> many, many hours. Really. Is that the, have, that's the stereotype on Greeks? Yes. Don't you know that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just like in Europe. Maybe it's like a stereotype within Europe. I don't it's, know. Yeah, it's, it's within Europe. They think that we are lazy because we like our coffee and we like our cafes and our food and our pleasures. And we were the last country in Europe to ban smoking. Okay. And when the smoking was banned, you know, in, uh, inside the, the cafes and the, all the side areas, yeah. we, we broke the rule for five years. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's another thing we are famous for, breaking the rules. Breaking rules. And we don't like rules. <laughs> when something is, uh, you know, imposed on us, we always say, no, no, we won't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Even What's if we it? want to do it, if somebody else tells us to do it, we won't do it. Yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> that's funny. Well, yeah. okay, so what, what are like the ancient ruins like? Uh, we have the Parthenon, which is in a pretty good shape, I would say. And we have a lot of museums with uh, the ruins and artifacts from uh, really, really old, like 5,000 years before Christ. Yeah. And um, there are a lot of areas in Athens where you walk and you see the ruins. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really peaceful. When I first came here and went to the, the Acropolis, um, I, I loved to study the Greek mythology when I was young. Mm -hmm. So when I was uh, walking, you know, in the, in the stoned street of Acropolis, I, I thought, oh my God, Plato was here and Aristotle was here and Socrates was here and all those great philosophers were here. And I was, you know, oh my God, I'm walking on the same street as them. And I couldn't believe it. It's, you know, yeah. if you're familiar with the Greek history and the Greek mythology and the Greek, Greek philosophy, which I think everybody in the world is familiar with the Greek philosophy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very, you get very emotional and you, you're really proud to be part of this. Okay, you're your camera just stopped we're good we're good again 
We're good. Okay, so I continue. Yes. Are you gonna edit this later? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so um, yes, you get really emotional when you think that you're part of this civilization of the Greek culture, and uh, we like to be proud of our culture. Yeah, it seems like something just so cool to like know that everybody in the world has studied like Greek history at a certain point, it feels like. And I'm sure that's like to every day, like look up and you see those buildings. It's got to be pretty awesome, right? Yes, yes. Wow. So what's, what's the creative scene like in Athens? Well, we have a lot of artists. We have many, many theaters. Uh, well, now with COVID, everything just stopped. So I'm going to yeah. talk about the pre-COVID era, okay? For sure. Okay. So before COVID, uh, we used to have many concerts every day in different venues. Um, we have many, many theaters, art exhibitions, um, many festivals for video, for uh, dancing, for all the arts. Uh, we are a very artistic uh, people and we have it in our, in our culture. Um, so every day there is something to see, there is something to do, there is something to watch, there is something to listen to. Um, now, if you ask me if I go to all this stuff, no, I don't have the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I wish I did, but I don't. Yeah. So I choose very carefully what I'm going to see. And because I'm in the circle of artists, I always, you know, have to go see some friend doing something. Yeah. 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 I, I uh, experienced that same thing. <laughs> yes. Um, so then let me think. What sparked your interest in music originally? I have no idea. It was no so idea. long ago. Yes, it was so long ago. I remember growing up, I took my grandma's there. She had a stand where she, I don't know how to explain it. She used that thing. It was a, a rod and she used it to make the the um, the cloth the cloth because we were making our own clothes back then you know i'm yeah. 100 years old <laughs> <laughs> so i used to take that road and use it as a microphone and singing you know i yeah. was singing i was singing all day every day so i think it was just in me the passion to sing and to express myself through music but what really sparked my interest in learning music was when my father brought home a toy, a toy piano. Okay. With the keys were so little, very, very small keys. And I, I started playing by ear. And okay. in five days time, I started, I, I already played all the, Christmas songs that I knew. Wow. Yes. 
So it was natural to me. I, I thought everyone could do it. Um, and then the music teacher came to my village. She taught music. And when she found me, she told my, my parents that she's really good. I'm going to do lessons to her for free because I think she, she must do something with music. She was my first teacher. She was very kind to me. And I think she's the reason, she's one of the reasons that I'm mm -hmm. here now. Wow. That's, yeah. that's pretty interesting to think about. Like, <clears throat> I mean, you're on an island, so it's a little bit more isolated. But the fact that you just start playing and you're, you're playing by ear, you don't need formal training at this point. And you just think it's like everybody can do it. That's like an interesting thing. Yes. Yes. When later, when later I saw that other people cannot do it, it was very strange to me. I thought, myself, why? Why? It's so easy. Yeah. Well, it's not, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so how many instruments can you play now? Well, I started with the uh, keyboards, uh, okay. the piano. There's my piano. Mm -hmm. And then one summer, a boyfriend of mine okay. played a song on his guitar. And I said, hmm, guitar. So <laughs> I told my father, I want a guitar. So he bought me one. I was lacking that too, because whatever musical instrument I wanted, they bought it for me. So I was lucky. So I bought the guitar. I, and I stayed in my room for like one or two months that summer. Okay. I never left my room. Wow. And I learned to play the guitar by myself. So I play the guitar. Um, the only instrument that I'm trained is the piano. All the other instruments I learned by myself. So I play the guitar, the ukulele. Oh, I, I did some lessons for oboe. So I play okay. some oboe. Uh, the, I play the accordion. I play the mandolin. Um, and some, uh, a lot of percussion, you know, and. Wow. So yeah. when you're teaching yourself, what's your process? Well, my process is, um, for example, when I, I took the guitar on my hands, I asked somebody, uh, what are the notes on the strings? And they tell me, you know, E, A, okay. D, E, G. And I said, oh, so the, that thing must be a semitone. And I stay by myself and try things. Well, now we have YouTube. <laughs> so if I want to yeah. learn something new, I just watch a tutorial on YouTube. But back then when I learned all those instruments that I'm saying, there was no YouTube. So I had to improvise and test things with my hands and see what is more comfortable with me, with my hands and my posture. I think I still hold the accordion with the, on, on the wrong way. I've really? learned the wrong way and I still play the wrong way, but I don't care as long as I play other things that I want to play because all these instruments, I don't play in front of people, you know, doing concerts. Mm -hmm. I play them in order to record for my music. Yeah. So I played a thousand times and 
I have no problem, you know, recording it again and again and again. Yeah. The only instrument that I feel comfortable playing um, in, fro- in front of an audience and that I haven't been formally uh, taught is the guitar. Because I guitar. play guitar many, many years, so I think I have it at some point. That's cool. Like, um, when you're, like, listening to... When you're playing it by ear, like how, what, I guess it's, it's probably hard to describe, but like how, how do you know, like which one is like this note or this note or like, uh, how does that work playing it by ear? Well, um, there are many levels of doing that. Okay. Uh, while I was being trained, formally trained to be a, a musician in the university and the, at the conservatoire, a conservatory, sorry, I, I use the French word. <laughs> the conservatory, you know, the music school. Yeah. I went to the university and at the same time I was studying at the music, music school, the two different things, but I was uh, really, really trained. As I was, you know, I was learning more about music, it was easier. To, to understand what was going on uh, okay. in the music you were listening to. But I will start from the beginning. When I was young and I wasn't trained formally, I, I listened to the notes, I sang them, and then I, I sat uh, on the piano and I was trying different keys to see which fits. So okay. when, I, when I, I got the first note, I said, okay, this is the first note. Mm-hmm. Then I use my um, relative ear because there's the perfect pitch and the relative pitch in music. Do you know about these terms at all? Have you ever heard about that? Uh, not really. I don't think so. Well, there are two kinds of musicians. There are yeah. the musicians who have a perfect pitch and the musicians that have relative pitch. Perfect pitch is an anomaly of the brain and all us, uh, the rest of musicians who have relative pits, we hate the ones that have the perfect pits because perfect pits means you hear something and without testing it on an instrument, you know what the note is. Really? So you, you hear something and you say, oh, it's B flat. Oh, it's E. It's A. You want to struggle them. What is happening there? It's something <laughs> they find. Yes, uh, you're either born with that or not. It's, uh, and most people are not born with that. Most people are not born with that, but well, you, you can uh, cultivate the perfect pitch, but it's, it's really, really hard. I think you have to start cultivating as long, as uh, earlier as you can from, uh, from your childhood. Okay. I wasn't that lucky, so I trained my relative pitch. Relative pitch means... You find the first note and then you compare the musical interval mm-hmm. with that first note. And, so you, okay. and then you say, oh, it's going up, how much up? It's going down, how much down the melody goes. And then you find the melody, it may take you, the first time it may take you hours and hours or days and weeks. But as you train, you get better and better and better. And uh, right now, I, I teach music for over 15 years. 
And teaching music always makes you a better musician. I am a much better musician now than I was before I started teaching music. So right now I have a pretty good relative pitch, but my knowledge of music harmony uh, makes it very easy for me. When I listen to a song, sometimes I'm in the car listening to the radio and I, I say to myself, oh, now it's the, the fourth chord going to the fifth chord, now to the one chord and it's the fourth minor chord. And I'm talking to myself like a crazy person. In the <laughs> car. <laughs> wow. So when you, when you hear music on the radio or just like a random song, like, are you... Oh my God, it's a disaster. It's a torture. <laughs> like, like, uh, can you not set that aside of like... <laughs> <laughs> it's a torture. Well, I have two things to say about that. Okay. On the one hand, you appreciate music more with the knowledge okay. of music. You can appreciate it. And you can understand in many levels different things. Uh, some, some things that uh, not a musician cannot understand. But the same thing that makes you appreciate and feel deeper the music is the same thing that sometimes prevents you from just listening to the goddamn music. Just listen, yeah. you know. You, when I listen to music, I always analyze different levels, levels of the music, the orchestration, the harmony, the melody, the production, the filters that are used, you know, it's a mess, it's a mess. <laughs> it's hard work, it's hard work. Listening. I can imagine, I don't want to do that work. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so who are like three musical artists that have influenced you? Well, I, I should start with Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach. Bach. Interesting. Yes. He's um, my most favorite composer of all times. I think he's the one who taught me music. And really? I think all musicians say, say so about Bach. Most musicians oh. um, would uh, say that. Um, I don't think there is another composer in the history of music that has surpassed Bach. I, I don't think so. He was a great mind. He was a great composer. Um, he did not only taught me composition, but he told me how to play the piano. Um, well, it may be that I love Bach so much because I love Baroque music. I love Mm -hmm. I love the, the feeling and the atmosphere and the Baroque music is, I don't know, it just speaks to my heart. It speaks to me really inside. It moves something in me. So Bach, yes, is the first one. Um, another composer who had a great impact on me was uh, a, a Greek composer called... Uh, Emanos Hadzidakis. Okay. He's, uh, he's internationally known. He, he has lived in New York for a few years. He has uh, collaborated with um, American artists, I think. Yes, he has uh, composed music for uh, movies. 
and uh, for theater. Um, I love his music and I was greatly influenced by, by him. What's his name so, again? Manos Hadzidakis. If you like my music, you will like his too. Cool. Yes. I'll look him up. Um, and, ah, of course, oh, there are so many. You said three, huh? Yeah. I'm going to go for Bjork. The third one will be Bjork. No, that's the B-J-O-R-K, right? Yes. Okay. Tell me, more, tell me more about that artist. I don't know as much. I'm familiar with the name for sure, though. Well, she's from Iceland. She's a very peculiar person. When you, when you see her, the first thought is she's from another planet. She's an alien. Um, her music is so strange. It's so innovative. It's so complex. Her voice is something like I've never heard before. She has her own style. If you try to put Bjork's music in a category, you will fail. She's her own category. She's her own genre. Uh, Bjork is Bjork, there's nothing else. Wow. Uh, my cat is Bjork, um, I, I've named her Bjork. My, my <laughs> name is Bjork, yes. Uh, when I first listened to Bjork, I was, I think, 13, 14 years old when she released her debut album in, in, uh, in the 90s, early 90s, um, on MTV. And I was like, what is that? What is that? And it was, I was so impressed, my God. And so many years has passed and I still listen to the same record and I still feel the same thing. It's I don't know how to explain that. She has a huge impact. Well, my music does not feel that is uh, influenced by her music, but because I don't write many, you know, electronic music, her music is electronic, mainly electronic, mostly electronic. Um, Well, I would like to write songs as Bjork, but I don't think I can. <laughs> wow. I wish I could. I wish. Are there like three artists that you're listening to a lot right now? Like who are three artists in your like heavy rotation? Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay. It's um, Aurora. Do you know Aurora? I don't think so. How do you spell it? A-U-R-O-R-A. Oh, Okay. Aurora, I like the lights in the Scandinavian, yeah. you know, yeah. She's from Norway. She's really young. I think she's 25 years old. Um, she's really, really talented. She reminds me of Bjork. Uh, I think she's in the school. Uh, she follows the school of Bjork. Okay, that would make sense. Yes. Yeah. And... Uh, she has a great voice. Um, both artists and uh, Bjork and Aurora write the lyrics, write the music. 
they perform their songs. That's what I most, um, you know, respect about them. Yeah. I don't care much for <coughs> singers. For I what? Care for singers, just okay. I, I don't care for them that much. Okay, you have a nice voice. Okay, I care <laughs> for I care for the creators. You know, okay, the people who compose the music, the people who write the lyrics. Uh, I respect them really, really much. That's what I try to do. So, like people that or artists that write their own music or compose yes. their own music. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, that's what I like and that's what I listen to. Uh, singer songwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Billie Eilish very much. What is it? Billie Eilish. Oh, Billie Eilish. Okay. Yes. And her brother Phineas. You know, I haven't listened to like. I haven't listened to her much besides like two songs, I think, but she's huge. Yes. She has very nice music. I like her music yeah. very much. And the production, her brother is a genius in production. And she has a very unique um, style in singing. She, she's almost whispering. And I like that very much. Huh. Well, let's say the um, Oland. Oh, it's called O-H-O Land. It comes okay. from Holland. Is a girl from Holland. Okay. And uh, I think she's also follows the school of Bjork. <laughs> what can I say? Uh, all those, both three girls and Aurora and Billie Eilish and Orland and Bjork, I think they share some common elements in the, in the way they make the music their music and that's why i think i like all of them because they they have something in the in the core i think they have something the same okay i I don't know what what exactly it is but something connects them maybe i'm the one that connects them (laughs) who knows yeah well there's something in it there's like something that you notice and you like identify that and it helps you kind of like understand it in a way. Yes. Uh, maybe, maybe, it's a, maybe I think it's authenticity, one element that really speaks to me. Okay. And I find really, really authentic expression on those artists. Um, I want to go back to Bach a little bit. So yeah. like I've known... Like, uh, as far as like music goes, like I'm, I'm surrounded by a lot of creatives. Um, but, and I've played the alto saxophone before I've, I've played, uh, acoustic guitar, but I've wanted to like, understand, I, I love the Beatles and I love just like music history and trying to understand it. Cause like art, it's, it's very much like a. I mean, you, everything is so intertwined. So it's like, I kind of want to learn more about classical music, but I didn't know where to start. And so I had a friend, he plays drums with uh, Neil Francis. He's, he's like another Chicago cat that, that tours. And they were playing Red Rocks in Colorado. 
And he was telling me this story. He was on the show and he was like, so we started off and, you know, it's this natural amphitheater in the, the Rocky Mountains. And he said, Neil started off playing a Bach piece because he's like a he's a. Uh, he plays piano and organ and, and all these all that type of instrument. And he started off playing a Bach piece and then went into his music and like the place just like erupted. So I'm like, Bach, interesting. So I've been going to record stores and picking up Bach vinyl and it's quite interesting. Like, so, and then I asked my like musical friends that play in orchestras and they say Bach is kind of like the godfather of classical music. Is that right? Yes, he's our father. So like how, elaborate more on that. Like what it kind of is his story and his impact on music. Well, <clears throat> Bach, you, you, you pronounce it Bach, don't you? Yeah, it's um, probably like... You say, you say Bach. 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 So, um, Bach was very, very poor. He had 10 children and he lived in Germany, Lipsia. I don't know how it's called in English. Uh, in a small village in Germany, and he worked for the church. So he had to compose a different uh, mass, mass yeah. for, for every Sunday. Okay. And his masses are huge. They, you know, the, the duration is like two hours. So yeah. he composed every week two hours or maybe more music. He, wow. he was a prolific composer he wrote non-stop we have a huge amount of of his work still today and imagine how how much of it must have been destroyed or lost yeah. because uh Bach was forgotten after his death his death for many years and uh, maybe 200 years later Mendelssohn was the one who rediscovered him and made him um and put him in the core of musical studies. So who's Met Mendelssohn? All I know is seeing that name on like a piano. Okay, he's, he was a composer from the Romantic uh, period, okay. which the Romantic period was um, in the 18th century, 18th to 19th century, uh, in the 1800s. Okay. So Bach lived from uh, 1670, to 1750. Okay. Yes, I think he died in 1750. Yes, that's when he died. Uh, before Bach, there was the Renaissance era in yeah. music. That's how we call it, the Renaissance era. The music then was very different from the music that we now know. The music we play, the music we listen to, um, it was the, the um, how was it called in, in, in English? Um, okay, I, I, I forgot the word, but it doesn't matter. The music was really, really different. The, the rules were really different. The yeah. scales that they used were really different. So when Bach came into the picture and he introduced us to the Baroque area, he's the one that 
formulated this area. Um, what did he do? He changed the, the way we look at music. Before him, we saw parallel melodies moving um, without having really any connection with each other. So we had okay. phonetic music, vocal music, sorry, vocal music, music, uh, with different layers of voices doing their own thing. How is it called a distixy? I'm, I'm searching for the English word, but I can't find it. So Bach imagined the music in a different way. He saw he's the one who created the chords. But at the same time, the musical instruments were refined. So we have um, the um, well-tempered clavier. The well-tempered clavier is the piano as we know today. And these little tweaks in the musical instruments at, at that uh, time of uh, that period uh, changed the perception of the music. So Bach was in the right time, uh, uh, the right place, in the right time at the right place, sorry. And he introduced us to the homophonic music, which used chords as the basis. And we have the melody above and the harmony below. Before that, the concept of music was very, very different. Oh my God, if I could speak Greek now, I would say it's so much nicer, but I'm <laughs> constrained by my poor English, so I'm sorry. If I confused your audience, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> so, uh, so he changed the paradigm. Um, and he introduced us to a very different era. And from Baroque and on, we use the same material. Whatever Bach said, we've never been much farther than this since then. Wow. He changed the language. And we all speak the same language right now. In 2022, we speak the language of Bach. Um, there were some um, um, composers in the early 20th century who tried to change that, but the atonality, but it stayed in the closed circles of, uh, you know, of artists. It yeah. didn't go further to the to the public, you know, it's very strange and difficult music. So we stayed in the traditional tonal music that we love. And the first one who created the language for that music is Bach. So that's why he's our godfather. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Do you see, can you imagine that language changing in the future? The way like Bach did for us, do you think like in the future someone changes it again? That's the same question that those composers in the early 20th century did. That's the same question. They said, we have a material, the tonal material, the tonal mm -hmm. music, and we've done everything we could with that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else to say with this mm -hmm. language. We've said it all. So what else can we say? So they created another system, uh, the 12-tone system, as they called it. 
um, it created a really interesting language. Those kind of music you, you listen to horror films, it's those spooky, okay. the music you cannot really understand what's going on with apparently no um, structure, but it has structure, but you, you okay. won't understand it if you're not familiar with it. Um, and then later in the 1950s, when this language stayed in the closed circles of, you know, film scoring and avant-garde music, um, in music uh, concert halls, you know. Uh, then the electronic sound came. So we okay, had, yeah, yeah the, the, this is the other revolution that happened in music with uh, artificial sounds, uh, the electronic music and, um, you know, all these new colors, all these new sounds that have never been heard before and have never been imagined before. That was a huge, uh, you know, uh, push to music to move forward. Um, now, well, you know, art always finds ways to, to be richer mm -hmm. and um, to enrich itself. That's the verb, yes, I found it at last. Uh, so, I think something something always happens. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm excited to see it. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. What okay, what are some of the names of those people in the 20th century that were reimagining well, uh, asking the, that question? The founder of this movement, uh, the movement of atonality is Arnold Schemberg. It's from Vienna, so it's Austrian name. Arnold Schemberg and his two um, students, Andon Webern and Alban Berg. Huh. Interesting. They, they founded the, the second school of Vienna. The first school of Vienna was the classical uh, music, uh, Haydn, uh, Mozart and Beethoven. Mm -hmm. Real quick, can you summarize like Mozart and Beethoven, like with their impact on music? If you can summarize that quickly. Really quickly. Okay, I will try. Um, well, we have the Baroque area with Bach. Okay. And later when Bach dies, his two sons uh, continue his music, but they elaborated a little bit and they... We this is the Rococo area or the pre-classical uh, era. Okay. And then we have Haydn. The first of the classicals is Haydn. Um, what he did was he took the language of Bach and uh, made it more, more prominent. And he took some um, musical structures from the Baroque era, like the sonata form, for example, and he made it the, the, the sonata form that we know it uh, today, the classical sonata form, which was the structure in which all the classical composers wrote their music. Okay. Uh, it's like you say, you now I write a song and it has verse one, chorus, bridge, verse two, chorus, yeah. like that. But it, it, was, it was the sonata form. Uh, and all the symphonies was 
were uh, written in, in that form. So the classical musicians, what did they do? They created structures in which you can compose a huge uh, piece of music, huge in, um, in time, in, uh, in duration, I mean. Mm -hmm. And in, for huge orchestras, Beethoven had, had a very huge orchestra uh, compared to the Baroque era. Well, uh, of course, well, Greek. Of course, um, the huge orchestras came later in the Romantic uh, era. So the classicals took the sentimentality of the Baroque era and that's why it's called classical music and put the emotion and the, um, the target, you know, the goal of music in the classical uh, ideals, you know, the beauty of the ancient Greece uh, classical period, the beauty that is above and beyond you. And we all agree that this is beautiful and nice. So it's not, it's not something that is subjective, that is inside okay. you, like the Romantic era, for example. Okay. It's something that's outside of you and is objectively true, objectively beautiful. And that's something that you attain to, you want to reach for. That's what the classical era represents. And that's what Haydn, Mozart and Beethoven did. Uh, Beethoven was uh, with a one foot, on, on the classical era and with the other foot on the romantic era, he's the one who introduced, he's the, the, the changing okay. point, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So then getting to your music a little bit, I, I really enjoy this, this album. Uh, say it's all in Greek. I don't understand anything that you say in it, but, but okay. I, I like the sound and the vibe. A lot of times how I listen to music, it's about the sound rather than the lyrics in a way. Um, but what is your what was your creative process like when you were creating that album? And I'm talking about uh, Sun Pan. Sampuan. Sampuan. Yeah. OK, you can call it Sampu. OK, Sampu. It means Sampu. Shampoo. Shampoo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, hmm, it took me almost six years to finish that really? album. Yes. Not because it was difficult, uh, but because it required a lot of, um, it had a lot of expenses, you know, and I had to work for a period of time to raise the money and then to put it in the studio. And then I had yeah. to work again to raise the money to put it in the studio. So it's, um, it costs a lot of money to do that thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to wait for that to raise the money. Um, but also, um, I, I worked two or three different jobs at the time. So I didn't have the okay. time, you know, concentrate only on the album, on the creation of the album. If I did that, I think that it would take me one to two years. Okay. 
but I didn't have that luxury. I had to work different yeah. jobs at the same time. But it's okay. I don't regret it because I I had, you know, I collected uh, different experiences all that period. So, so I had... Yeah, how do you keep one idea in your head for that long and have it like cohesive still in a way? Well, let me tell you something. When I released the album, I didn't want to hear my songs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I want to listen that. to them because it was uh, the Alexandra of the past. It wasn't me yeah. anymore. Mm -hmm. It was the Alexandra of the 2010 of the yeah. 2011, of the 2013. Yeah. And it was another person by the time the album was released. It was in 2017. And I was a different person by then. So the album talks about my failed relationships. Okay. It talks about love. It talks about men and women. It talks about um, how I see life. Um, there is a humoristic element in the lyrics. I always like to joke about myself. <laughs> I like, uh, yes, I like sarcasm very much. So the lyrics are, are a little bit sarcastic, a little bit humoristic. But deep down, after analyzing them with, with a friend of mine, because... I, 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 as a creator, I, I don't go too deep into my own stuff because it just come. They just come. I don't know where they come from. They just pop up in my head. Are you talking like lyrics or like uh, everything? Music? Lyrics, yeah. music, uh, instrumentation, everything just just comes. Um, so. After discussing my lyrics and my music with my collaborators, I realized that I, there were some really huge truths in them for me and for other person, for other people too, not only for me. And sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper, you know, inside the lyrics to find the thing yeah. that is true, that is true for all of us. And that, that was a really nice surprise for me to see that there was, there were uh, many levels of uh, interpretation. So the creative process was uh, me sitting alone on my piano with my guitar or with a notepad and, and a pen, having a thought and then saying to myself, oh, that could be a song. Let's write it down. Or... Now, that's a nice thought. I, I always write on my journal, my thoughts and my, I keep a journal. So many of my songs come from that journal. So I write just, you know, just maybe a title or, or a word or a feeling or a situation mm -hmm. or someone that pissed me off and I'm going to write a song about him and I'm going to make him pay. <laughs> <laughs> There are a lot of reasons to write a song. So I, I write the main, the main feeling, the main thing that I want to write about. And then I, I, I write the lyrics and the music at the same time. I always do it at the same time. I've never written only the lyrics or only the music. 
I always combine the work. So I, I do it at the same time. And sometimes lyrics guide the music and sometimes music guide the lyrics. And I, because I love math, mathematics, and I love structure, and I think I have it inside me, it's built in. <laughs> Um, when I write, the structure comes by itself. Uh, I don't plan for it. It just, it just comes out. It's just the way I think. Mm -hmm. um, most of the times when the, the issue, the matter uh, or the topic inside me has grown and it's ready to get out, I write the song in five minutes, music and lyrics together. Really? Five, ten minutes, half an hour, yes, it, and it's done. Huh. Uh, and then the really creative process begins. That's when I start enjoying uh, instrumentation, the studio time. It's, oh, my God, it's the best time ever. Wait, I, don't okay. enjoy, I don't enjoy that much writing the lyrics and the music. Okay. I enjoy fantasizing and imagining what instrument should I put here? And uh, what notes should that instrument play? And what should I do with the production? What vocals should I use? And then I, I record um, a guide on, uh, on the computer with my voice and the, the piano, the, the main you know, guide, a very plain structure. And then I start building from that point on. And this process is, oh, my God, oh, my God. Uh, I cry sometimes because I can't stand the emotions that I have inside me when I, when I see my imagination becoming, becoming reality. And I, I cry, I cry, I just cry with, you know, it's so emotional. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, from experience, I can uh, listen and, and hear it. Do you have, is there like a memorable performance you've had that stands out to you that you've done or had? I would have to say, it was a performance in which I used mostly electronic equipment. It, it was a dream of mine to do that, but I was always afraid to do that because, you know, technology is, is a bitch. Technology is a bitch. I love technology, but I'm also afraid of it. It's strange and I use it all the time. Um, but, you know, I feel more comfortable with uh, um, physical musical instruments, you know, the guitar, my piano, I know yeah. them, I know what they can do. Because the prospects of the, and the, um, um, of, uh, of um, electronic instruments are so many that you don't know what to choose, that cripples me, that cripples me. It can do that, and it can do that, and it can do that, and it can yeah, do that. Yeah, where does it end? Yeah. And yeah, I, I cannot choose, and oh, I won't do anything. I'll take my guitar and play a song <laughs> like that. Yeah. 
So the most memorable um, performance was before one year, I think six months before uh, the lo- the first lockdown mm-hmm. or a year before, I'm not sure, where I used only electronic equipment and it was, oh my God, it was great. It was great because I produced the sound that I had in my mind for a very long time and I was afraid mm-hmm. to do. And it was, it was great. Yes. What was the space and like the name, that you performed the name, in? Then, uh, what? Sorry. What was the space like that you performed in? Well, it, it was an old theater with, you know, with the red curtains. Yeah. Stayed so graphic and so oldie. Uh, the it's called this venue is called Faust. Okay. Um, and the name of the project of the concert was Renaissance Girl. Renaissance Girl. Yes. Interesting. Because I consider myself a Renaissance. You know, you know the term Renaissance man. Yeah the one who does everything, nothing at all at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was cool. dive, dive into that a little bit more. Like, I feel like uh, as far as creativity goes, we both kind of are similar in this way where we're lifelong learners and we want to learn like so many other things. What do you think um, the value of being a lifelong learner is? Oh my God, there is no value in not being a a lifelong learner. I cannot see another way of living. It's the, it's the utmost value. It's it's the value with T capital, with V capital. I don't know what else there is to do in your life apart from learning. I don't know. This is the only way for me. I, I could not imagine myself. Imagine saying to yourself, I'm good at this. I cannot get better. There's nothing better than this. So I'm perfect. No, you're full of shit. Yeah. You know, you know nothing. And if you say that you know something or you know everything, then you're a fool. Yeah, and you don't get better. <laughs> I don't, um, you know, when I see, see uh, writings of me or from uh, my previous lives, because I've lived many lives, yeah, I, I always think, oh, you were so stupid then. Oh, you were so stupid then. <laughs> and in a few years from now, I'm going to watch this conversation and I'm going to say, oh, you were so stupid then. <laughs> <laughs> you just have learned more. That's all. Yeah. 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 Um, well, one question I love to ask people is, what are you curious about recently? Oh, so many things. I think I'm curious about everything. Not for sports, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we covered that earlier. <laughs> well, um, this time I'm uh, always watching tutorials on YouTube on how to, how to. I'm always like, how to, how to, how to. I, I've learned uh, two or three new software programs. Okay. Uh, the InDesign for uh, designing stuff and mm-hmm. books 
and uh, covers and posters and, you know, for my YouTube channel, I need it. Uh, I'm trying to learn Photoshop, which is very difficult for me. It seems that I will never learn it, but I know to do just some stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm very curious about editing. I love montage. I love editing, video, video editing. I just, this is my new passion. Video, video editing. Yeah, video editing. This is my new love. Interesting. What, what yeah. program do you use for that? Premiere Pro. Premiere. So you're like the Adobe Suite gal. Yeah, yeah, Adobe. <laughs> yeah. Do you use Illustrator at all? No. I'm surprised, like I, between Photoshop and Illustrator, I use Illustrator a lot more. It's simpler. I get, it depends what you want to do with a photo or like flyers or, yeah, interesting. Um, oh, you know, another question I had for you is you, you have like a certain aesthetic. Are, do you have any like artistic influences that have influenced like the, the, the visual art in a way not really no i just i think i have an eye for it as you say yeah. i have an eye for it i have my my very best friend is a graphic designer and okay. she always said you have it you have it uh i don't know where it comes from but i i like the visual as you can see i like the frame framing things yeah. and putting in the right place and um, I don't know if I'm good at that, but I, I have opinions about aesthetic yeah. and how to present myself and what to wear and what to, what colors to use in my posters and my flyers. Yeah. I know what I like and I know what I don't like. That's, that's such good advice for just like people in life is like, it's one thing to know what you like, but you also should understand what you don't like. And mm -hmm. like, don't, don't even just avoid all of that, in my opinion. I don't know. And, and it's important to find people to understand you so that you can work together. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the same uh, aesthetic, it's very, very difficult to work with somebody. Mm, interesting. I, yeah. I see that. Now, when you say like work with them, you're saying like creatively, say Great. in a music yes. video oh. or uh, yes. writing oh. a book or things like that. Yes, 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 yes. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, wrapping up here, I have one last question. And uh, what are you excited about for the next two years? Oh, my gosh. There are too many. I'm very excited about everything. Well, I'm excited about my new video series on YouTube, which is called Music with Alexandra. I've been preparing it uh, for the past few months and is a, a series of big videos in which I explain uh, music theory, but it's in Greek. Yeah. I'm so I know sorry. I tried watching it and I'm like, oh, I don't understand this. <laughs> And I, I say it so beautifully there. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, I, I thought of doing it in English, but then I said to myself, you won't be expressing yourself so freely in English. 
so I decided to do it in Greek, but I also decided to do it in Greek because there are a lot of such videos on YouTube in the English language and there is yeah. none, not none, not many and none like mine in Greek. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I said, I'm going to do it in Greek and it's, uh, it's going very nicely until now. Um, and I joined doing it because I, I take a different topic every time from music theory and I analyze it, I explain it. Mm-hmm. I, I create, you know, the graphic, uh, the graphics for the videos. It's very, very creative. Mm-hmm. And it's another way for me to communicate with people. Uh, that's one thing that I'm very, very excited about. And the other thing that I'm excited about is living for the first time away from Athens uh, for uh, the past 22 years. I'm in Athens and for the first time I had to leave Athens and go to Rhodes. It's an island uh, the southeast of Greece near Turkey. Uh, it's far, far, far away from Athens. And I have to stay there for two years. And um, I had to go there. I said I had to go there. I didn't choose to go there uh, uh, because of my work. I teach music in public new, in public schools. Mm-hmm. And because I got tenured this year, yay. <laughs> uh, one condition to get tenure is to go to teach um, away from your home for one or two years. Okay. So this experience is really strange because I was very comfortable in my bubble here in Athens. You know, my home, mm-hmm. my staff, my studio, my musical instruments, my friends, everything that I do. So it was very difficult for me. For the first two months, I was crying all day. But really? then, yes, from the third month and on, one day I said to myself, okay, Alexandra, now you're here. You're here. You're going to stand with both your feet of your feet here and you're going to make it work. And since the day I said these words to myself, believe me, Rich, only good things happen to me. And it's so strange. When you resist, nothing happens. When you go with the flow, no, it's, it's a cliche, but... It's working. When you go with the flow, everything goes well. But going with the flow, it's not so easy because you say, yes, I'm a cool person. I can go with the flow. But you really aren't. Mm. It's a a, a psychological decision. It's a deep decision. And it's not always uh, apparent that you do it, that you take this decision. So I think... I successfully made that decision because everything is great since then. I'm very happy. I come back and f- I go back and forth in Athens and Rhodes and Zakynthos. So I'm a traveling girl now. Yeah, that's awesome. A new, new adventure going with the flow. Well, yes. this has been uh, a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been so great. Thank you so much, Rich. Let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow her on Instagram at Alexandra Cloudy. 
Have a lovely day. Enjoy the environment around you and the sounds that fill the air. Keep learning and striving to be a better version of yourself each day.